you know, a lot of things changed from from uh, the first iteration to to uh, the crisis. Having almost 15 years of, of life experience and wisdom, and I was a little hesitant because how can you how can you go back when you've already played the the, the ultimate superhero in my mind? Um, but it was really the opportunity to kind of bring some lightness and some comedic uh, time, uh, comedic elements to that that won me over. And uh, eventually became the thing I loved most about Ray Palmer. <laughs> but also you have to have that intention and thought and emotion. There has to be a, th- a thought. So that was kind of the, the beginning journey for me in that. And then lifting heavy things and exert myself and not feel like a fool. Getting shape was a big part of, of, that, of that role. This episode, Bah Humbug, from DC Comics' March 1989, covered dated Power of number 10, by Roger Stern, Graham Nolan, and K.S. Wilson. A bald Caucasian mercenary with bushy, inward-slanted eyebrows under sunglasses listened to a disembodied electronic voice give him orders to target Ray Palmer in Ivy Town. Wearing a fashionably formal, all-black leather outfit with gloves, broken up only by a fuchsia ascot with black polka dots, the villain rose from a futuristic... Chaise long, on the chaise long, on the chaise long, all day long, on the chaise long to view a circular screen projecting footage of the atom in action mimicking the mighty might move for move like a dipolated taskmaster this so-called humbug was chastised for not paying attention able to chew bubblegum and jump snap kick at the same time humbug was well aware that ray palmer had vanished 18 months prior only to spring up in the past six weeks to become a hang-up in someone's master plan at one point humbug removed his sunglasses revealing pupilless eyes and that he had been wearing a fake nose to cover the smooth patch down to his lipless toothy grin he then bent a wrench in his bare hands demonstrating great strength not that we could possibly take him seriously going forward now that we know that he's wearing basically a Groucho Marx novelty disguise say did you ever notice that Peter O'Toole is a dual phallic name at the home of Professor Emeritus Alpheus V. Hyatt Ray Palmer was demonstrating density control enabled one arm push-ups while topless for Ricky Negrini who he's totally not trying to smash there's a demonstration of how the Atom can don his costume automatically by shifting it onto his body from another dimension and Negrini questioned whether the intermittent light show was dependent upon his mood. Norman Brawler showed up to hash out the details of their travel plans to New York for a meeting with Warner Books to sign contracts and negotiate promotion for the upcoming revised paperback edition of his biography. Norman would have to catch a plane alone because Ray intended to literally phone in for his part once all the arrangements had been made so that he could continue researching his enhanced abilities. Also his fellow scientists had to help talk him into going forward with the new edition after all the headaches the hardcover caused upon his return. As the punchline to a thing that in theory resembled a gag, the scientists also threatened to go on tour with an acapella rendering of the 1909 hit By the Light of the Silvery Moon. Boy, it's a good thing the average comic reader of 1989 was up on references to a 1953 Doris Day musical. DC Comics, please share us with your grandparents. We'll take what audience we can get. Yes, comic books are a dollar now. We know you're on a fixed income, but maybe you can haggle for a discount at your local comic shop. Yes, we know gas is currently 66 cents per gallon and burning it to drive to the comic shop would take longer than reading this comic book. Look, can you just give us back to little Timmy? What do you mean he's reading The Punisher? What kind of grandparent are you? You took Timmy to see Death Wish 3? No, yes, of course we'll miss the Gipper 2. You know, this is a long-distance periodical, so better go before the raids go up again. In Calvin City, Ray's ex-wife and her new husband argue about having caught her in a kitchen embrace with Palmer as she was consoling him over the deaths of Princess Lathwin and her people in Morlaid. Paul Hoban's insecurity will be referenced again at the end of the issue, as he determines that the only way to win back Gene Loring's heart is by digging an old atom belt out of the basement and perform some size alterations himself. I don't think it's a pee-pee thing, 
thing, but when you use a size-altering belt as a metal blade, it might, like, maybe be a pee-pee thing. I mention it now because I don't want to have to set this stupid subplot up again because we're all going to forget I'd mentioned Paul Hoban at the end of this thing. And these synopses are only about five minutes long. It's not the length of the podcast, it's the snore of the subplot. Since the CIA had been covertly monitoring Ray Palmer's movements, Humbug arranged to impersonate their superior on a telephone call, then orders the agents to Salt Lake City. I guess that means he's a master of impersonations, at least. Continuing that theme, Humbug next served as Norman Brawler's cab driver, as a window washer outside Warner Books, and finally as a gopher bringing coffee into the meeting. Ray is pushed through the phone line by Professor Hyatt singing the 1939 duet Deep Purple by Nino Tempo and April Stevens, in case little Timmy wants to ask great-great-grandfather Uncle Jedediah about this comic book. Little Timmy never picked this book back up again, did he? This is how he got canceled in the same number of issues as Wasteland and how Doc Savage outlasted us, isn't it? This is why the Black Hawk revival is more fondly remembered. Because on page 14, after spending three pages on details of the book publication contract, the bad guy finally attacks the good guys with pink gas pellets? The atom shrank to avoid the knockout gas, but immediately got suckered into growing and coughing, but shrank again to escape. There is a running fight through bland office spaces across routine five-panel pages of serviceable art involving the tiny titan landing a punch that knocked the stupid glasses rubber nose combo off. Adam noted Humbug's resistance to gas, great strength and endurance, and finally his vanishing into himself, leaving a full-body husk of probably artificial skin. Oh, and Humbug was still in disguise this whole time, wearing a green windbreaker khakis, and white sneakers. Appropriate since Power of the Atom is the khaki of comics. Humbug was back in his cruising dandy outfit to be berated by his anonymous boss over the unauthorized high-profile attack. But Humbug was rude and kooky and a tad insubordinate while swearing that he'd get him next time. Yep, just a big old pile of khaki right here. Uh, your favorite superhero that isn't you. Wonder Woman? Now, a somewhat deep question. What does Superman mean to you? It's a good question. Um, Superman... Superman is the best that is within us. He represents the best that is within all of us and what we can achieve as human beings. Um, He's, I think, always pushing to, whether he knows it or not, pushing to achieve that within himself. Um, And in doing so, showing, representing what that's, what's possible for, for all humanity or all life, anything with a conscious brain or consciousness, um, you know, no matter his physical prowess, um, the way he, the way he sees life and, and takes care of life and wants to help and, 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 and to be, uh, the, the best, the best Superman that he can be the best Kal-El that he can be, I think is, is what he, what he shows us and what we can, you know, have hold as a beacon of, of where we can move as, as, as humans, life forms, yeah. <laughs> you know, above. Pals of the Atom, Antonio Gracefo, Brad Leonard, Chris Dunford, Chris Lydon, Dave's Comic Heroes blog, DC in the 80s, Dale Dracula, Doc Strange, Dustman's 1138, Ed Moore, El Romero Mero, The Emerald Warrior, The Green Lantern Corps, Green Lantern HG, I'll Be the Light in the Dark, History of Comics on Film, I Was Joe Is, Jake the Overvoid, Jeffrey Brown, They Them, Jim Abruglia, the Haggis is in the fire for sure. King Dinosaur. Manfredovsky. MB. Mike gets and aliens to me. In Matthias Moore. Nick Spence. Randy Caldwell who added, I love your pronunciation of Kund. Robert Misson. Ryan Baldoff. Tim Price the Podcrasher. Tomas. Tony Nasir. And Xenozoic Xenophiles. Hey, it's only been a year plus. Uh, way better scheduling than we've seen in the past, right? Green Lantern Corps tweeted, Hey, delete this with 
with a crying face emoji. This was, of course, the JLI episode where the Adam Punk Sky Garter. So context. Del Dracula wondered, don't see this one on my iPhone's feed. Yeah, even when the Power of the Adam podcast had its own feed, it wasn't popular or prolific enough to land on all podcatchers. We've now set up the non-explicit four-color rolled spine for all our more innocent shows. And I think that one is starting to show up on most podcast resources like Spotify. Uh, it's also a short enough show that you can always listen to it on the blog or at the internet archive without it being too burdensome. The preceding Adam-related program is a non-profit fan production. Any copyrighted materials contained therein are believed borrowed under fair use with no copyright infringement intended. Please feel free to leave comments either on the Power of the Atom blog or at Rolled Spines Productions WordPress blog. You can also send us Twitter comments through Commander Blanks, my personal account, or through the Rolled Spine podcast Twitter. Thank you for listening. Of the silvery moon